0: The schedule, the job, the kids. Take some time just for you. It's Sunday mornings with D. Daniels on B101.5, powered by Mary Washington Healthcare. One of D.C.'s best hospitals that isn't in D.C. It's in Fredericksburg, Mary Washington Hospital. Here, for you. And now, D. Daniels.
1: Good Sunday morning and welcome to the show, the show that is all about you and your life and your world. Every single Sunday, fantastic guest here on the Sunday Morning Show. Big thanks to Mary Washington Healthcare for being our sponsor. And I'm very excited to welcome my guest on the show this week, Melinda Winter Moyer, a science journalist and author of a brand new book coming out next year that I'm so excited to read. Possibly with the greatest title I have ever heard, How to Raise Kids Who Aren't A-holes. Melinda, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Dee.
1: Well, first of all, I got to tell you, I'm excited to read this book um, because what a great title, and uh, I know you've uh, been excited to get this out. So it's coming out next year?
2: Yes, it's coming out spring or summer 2021.
1: Tell us a little bit about the book.
2: Yes, so (laughs) um, I, I would say I was inspired to write the book in part because of what's been going on in our country, and I... Of realized one day what's most important to me as a parent is that I raise a kid who's not going to be a, a bully and not going to treat other people poorly and just be a, a kind and generous person and I realized if I could help give those tools to other parents then maybe we could raise a generation of really great people um, and so uh, you know, I'm a science journalist, so I tend to always answer, try to answer questions with evidence. So I looked into research on you know, what we know about the most constructive ways to, to talk about race, to talk about gender and gender stereotypes, to you know, discipline and set limits, um, to talk about values, to foster healthy self-esteem. And so each chapter kind of addresses different things that parents might want to think about fostering in their kids to make them you know, well-rounded and just good people.
1: Yeah, you know, I could really, I could really see your background and sort of feel your passion for research uh, in the article that I read recently in the Washington Post, which is uh, the the biggest reason that I reached out to you and was so excited to get to know some of your work and have you on the Sunday Show. After reading this article in the Washington Post that came out at the end of June, I mean, it was so genuine, so plain spoken, and I just, I appreciated it so much. Um, if you're looking it up with me, by the way, the article is titled. What White Parents Get Wrong About Raising Anti-Racist Kids and How to Get It Right. I mean, it's it's a powerful article, and it really, really goes in-depth into a lot of great research. And, and I love how honest you were even getting into writing the article. I, I saw you talking about it on your Instagram about how you were hesitant at first. Can you talk a little bit about that process before you wrote the article?
2: Yes, sure. So I had done a lot of this research for my book and um, and then everything everything exploded <laughs> in the world yeah. um, and I was wondering like gosh you know I have I have a, a lot I could say on this topic but you know I'm also very aware of wanting to sit back and listen and also create space for for black writers to be talking about this as well right. and so you know The Washington Post reached out to me because I had Um, created a Twitter thread all about this. I decided to put it out on Twitter, at least. And then the Washington Post uh, parenting editor reached out and said, would you be willing to write an article about this? And, yeah, I I hesitated at, at first, and I wrote back to her, and I said well, I, I'd like to, but at the same time, you know, do we want to maybe give this to a black writer instead? And, what, you know, what do you think? And we went back and forth, and she explained to me there's, they're, um, you know, assigning a lot of stories right now to black writers, and they're trying to, you know, they understand this, this tension, and they're trying to work with it, but they also knew that clearly I, I had spent a lot of time with this research, which is kind of a very kind of niche area, and said, well, you know, for this particular article, I think, we think we'd really like you to do it, and and would that you know would that be okay? And and after a while, I did. I know I talked to some other black journalists about it. I said, you know, what should I be doing? Should I be staying quiet and creating space? Should I be, you know? But I also didn't want to. I don't want to place the burden of education entirely on people of color either.
1: Right, right.
2: So it's really hard. And eventually, yeah, I said, okay, let's do this piece. And I made sure in the piece I, I really wanted to talk to black educators and, and parents and pediatricians too so that was kind of my way of working through it was just including a lot of diverse voices in it as I highlighted the research
1: yeah I love the research I mean I love how you've really you know co- not only collaborated with other people but uh, in in getting the information out there but I love the research so I, I would uh, suggest that everyone go and take a read uh, but it is just it, it it's a great article and talk a little bit about the collaboration that you had um, in writing this I mean this was This was this was an effort where you you did reach out, um, you know, and say, you know, let's all talk about this, because this is a conversation we're all having that we all should be having. Um, The conversation is the same, but different. So, you know, there are a lot of a lot of layers to this.
2: Yes, there are. Yeah. I mean, I talked to a lot of people, (laughs) researchers who have been studying how children develop Prejudices. I talked to a lot of researchers, um, you know, who've been doing this for, some of them, for decades. And then, yes, I wanted to talk as well to um, black educators. So I talked to some primary school educators who work with children of all races and, and see kind of what happens when young kids are developing ideas about race and what kinds of things they do and say and what they found is sort of most constructive in terms of having conversations with kids about race. And um, and I talked to a pediatrician as well, um, a black pediatrician, and about you know what kinds of things she sees and hears um, and just tried to really pull together a lot of different layers and levels of, of information. Um, it was really, I learned. I've learned a lot,
1: a lot. Yeah, I bet. I bet you did. I mean, and I I learned just in reading the article. So I mean, you know, to even be able to see some of uh, the the notes about the research, you know, you can then go and sort of dive into that research and learn even more. So I think it is a, a really great tool. And one of the things I, I don't know if it was as astounding to you when when you uh, were were sort of pouring over this, but one of the things that really struck me the uh, 2005 study with. Uh, Uh, psychologist david j kelly and you talking about uh and and them talking about the fact that you know we have all sort of kind of uh, in maybe a quiet way even held on to this thought of like well my kids might be colorblind and my kids don't see color and we don't see that sort of thing and it's so interesting how that study and that research really sort of broke through that and said nope that is just not true
2: yes this was probably the most mind-blowing thing that i learned when i started digging into this research because i and i think a lot of other white parents have this idea that if we don't act in a racist way or we don't say racist things in front of our kids then they're just they're not going to care about race they're not going to develop any prejudices and it i mean it makes sense in a way you think well kids don't really think anything about it hair color, like hair color doesn't matter, and they don't judge people based on hair color or eye color, and maybe they'll just see skin color as the same thing, just a characteristic that really doesn't matter. And um, and that, yeah, that I've heard a lot of parents say, well, my kids don't see race, or they're colorblind, and, um, and if I talk about race, then I'm going to make them racist. And yes, the, the research very clearly shows this is not what happens. Um, so, the study that you referred to, I think, is, is one that showed that babies as young as three months old can not only see racial differences, but they, they've already showing preferences um, towards you know, looking at people who are the same race that they are. And there's been a lot of research done in the preschool years, which is really, some of it's kind of disturbing research, <laughs> where uh, researchers have kind of embedded themselves in preschools and watched kids seen what they said to each other and how they've acted towards each other and they see that starting around age two or three kids especially white kids are starting to to say overtly racist things like I don't want to play with him because his skin looks dirty or I don't want to sit next to her because her skin is dark and um and you know these kids are not coming from families where parents are saying racist things. These are just coming from the children themselves. And even, you know, talking with the black educators that I talked to for this piece, they said, yes, we see this all the time. And they said it, it you know, sometimes, so they'll see their black, uh, so their white students saying things like, I don't want to play with him because of the color of his skin. And then these teachers will sit down and, and try to talk to those students about what they said and, and why that's not okay to say. And then the next day, the parents of these white kids will storm in and say, why did you talk to my kid about race? My child doesn't see skin color, so why did you do this? And, you know, it's clear that these kids do see it. They're maybe not talking about it at home, but they're seeing it and they're acting on it. It's it's really quite problematic.
1: Yeah, it is. And it and it, it's so interesting to look at it from that point of view and how young these kids are um and and how they're already processing this information. So I think uh, you know, you pointed it out too, but I think this shows how important this discussion is to have even at a young age. So uh, it seems like a lot of the people that you collaborated with even said, you know, let's not avoid the conversation or shush our kids, you know, during this time when they are obviously very curious.
2: Right. And yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. I think their curiosity, which is so important and and so (laughs) crucial in childhood, in a way it's kind of part of the problem here because, Kids are like little detectives. One of the big jobs of childhood is to try to figure out what matters in the world and what social categories matter and, and you know, what's important, what should they be paying attention to. And so they do this with everything. But what, one of the things they notice with race very early on, because it's so obvious if you think about it, is that there's this very strong intersection between race and power in our society. So kids will notice that all but one president, has been white and right. that all the senators and Congress people, most of them are white, um, that kids that they go to school with, with the biggest houses and the nicest pools tend to be white, that just generally speaking, you know, a lot of the roles um, that people play in society, the society, the more privileged ones are held by white people and the less privileged positions are held by black and brown people. So they see that. And, and they also see it in the media. They see it portrayed in their shows. Um, they see this hierarchy, and, you know, they don't know what to think of it. And what's also interesting to them is they they see that, that race is, is clearly, like, important in some way, but nobody talks about it. Right. Their parents aren't talking about it. And so then they, they're kind of, like, extra titillated because they're thinking, oh, this is, like, an important secret thing, and that makes it even more important in their mind. And they also notice segregation. You know, they notice neighborhoods tend to sometimes be... all majority black or brown or white. And so all of this comes together in their brains, and, they're, and they're, it's like a, a mystery that they're trying to solve. Like, why, is, why, is, why, is, why does the world look like this? Right. There's this hierarchy. And when there are no answers provided to them, and there's no more information provided to them, they often make the conclusion that, well, gosh, I guess maybe white people are just better or smarter or something. Because that's kind of the most parsimonious conclusion you'd make if you looked at a world like this right and so they come to this conclusion and they don't they don't necessarily do it overtly it's like subconscious sort of thing they're not going to sit down at the dinner table and say hey mom and dad i figured something out white right. people are better than black people right. they're not going to do that yeah. but they do on some level internalize this idea and so yes that's why it's so important from a young age for parents to explain race and racism and it helps kids understand oh There's a different reason that the world looks the way it is.
1: I, I really like how you put that as far as like, you know, if you think about it in the process of they're investigating things already and, and for uh, for us as parents to know that um, ahead of time and to know that they're doing that, to be aware of that process uh, might actually open up the conversation uh, in a little bit better or easier direction if, you are, uh, if you're a parent trying to do that. Melinda Winter-Moyer, journalist and author, we're talking to her this week on the Sunday show. We're going to have more with her coming up after this break.
3: Leave your pain behind, one step at a time. When it comes to your orthopedic care, you can have peace of mind knowing you will receive expert care with Mary Washington Orthopedics in affiliation with FOA. Our highly skilled physicians and staff bring five-star knowledge to you and your family with convenient locations in Fredericksburg. Spotsylvania, and Stafford. We are here for you to treat an array of orthopedic conditions, from injuries to knee and hip replacements. Our care extends well beyond the surgical repair of an orthopedic condition. Our goal is to help you return to normal daily activities as quickly as possible. Virtual visits are now available. Visit practices.mwhc.com for more information. To make an appointment with an orthopedic physician, call 540-372-372 4221. Or to make a physical therapy appointment, call 540 479 4764.
0: Now back to Sunday Mornings of D. Daniels on B101.5. Good Sunday
1: morning. Welcome back to the show. We're talking to journalist and author Melinda Winter-Moyer, and she is here this week on The Sunday Show having a very, very great discussion about uh, an article that I recently read that she wrote in The Washington Post. I hope you get a chance to read that. uh, All about a a discussion around race and and how important things are uh, in dealing with our kids around a race discussion. And, wow, I mean, it's you know, I think, Melinda, this is going to be the year in our generation that goes down as the year of, of not only, um, craziness because of the coronavirus no doubt about it but also the year of possibility and the year of communication where we have this window to really be able to have this race conversation I just think it's so important and you've done such a great job highlighting the importance of that um, especially as as a parent and as a white parent Uh, talk a little bit about uh, your kids
2: (laughs) so I have a nine-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl and yes, we have certainly been having more race-related conversations recently, and we've been reading a lot more books. Um, it has been it's been a, a good few months of, of learning and growing, and it's it's been hard too. Honestly, I mean, I was raised in a family in which race was really not something that was okay to talk about, so I, I struggle. I mean, I I struggle to talk about it. It's like I feel like you know, I'm pushing against everything I was socialized against when I bring up race with my kids. Right. Um, but I also see them learning and growing and understanding in ways that I'm very happy about. Um, but, but yeah, and, and their reactions sometimes aren't, you know, what you would expect. Sometimes they say things and you're like, oh gosh, like, how did you come to that conclusion? And you kind of have to, but it's, it's good because I think then it's an opportunity to keep talking and to You know to explore what they're thinking and and help them understand if they've got something a little bit wrong or um or whatnot and and also i mean i have to say because i think this is something that that white parents struggle with is this fear of of saying the wrong thing or using the wrong word or explaining something a little bit wrong and i think we all are going to make mistakes and and i think that's okay and in fact might be a good thing i mean i think one of the things as parents that we want to convey to our kids is that it's okay to, to make mistakes and to learn from them and to grow, and they can help you, you know, learn new skills and, and, and new things. So sometimes I will say something and say, oh, gosh, you know, I don't think I explained that very well, and I'll think about it and then go back to them the next day and say, you know, you asked about Black Lives Matter. I'm not sure I explained it the, the most constructive way. Let me try that again. So it's certainly, you know, it's not a smooth process. Right. <laughs> but, but I think we're making progress.
1: Yes, I agree, and you know we have uh we have adult children. Uh, well, we have an adult child, and then an almost an adult child in our in our house. And it's interesting the you know the age uh, you know, where everyone is, and everyone's in a in a different place with this discussion, and everyone is having their uh, walking their own path with it, and, and doing uh doing the research on their own in our house, and, and we actually as a family took part in uh one of the protests uh, in our town. And, and we we walked and 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 chatted with a lot of people uh, involved in the walk and and it was it was very eye-opening and it was it was, the the emotion around all of it is is so gripping and and it really does give you pause not only you know as as a human but a, as a parent it gives you pause where you 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 stop and think okay What, what do we need to do differently here? What, what, how do we need to handle this? And what's the discussion that we need to have? We've been having some very good discussions in our house. And I can only imagine with you having younger kids that, that you guys are, are trying to navigate that discussion, especially if they see things on, on TV and if their friends are talking about things, because it's more than you having this discussion with the kids. There are other people involved in the community that are having discussion with your kids too.
2: Right. Right that's very true in fact my five-year-old what what actually sparked the conversation about george floyd and you know i struggled with how much to tell her about what had happened right but she saw the newspaper and she saw a big picture on the front of a protest and said mommy what's going on and i realized like this is my opportunity to tell her you know what i thought was appropriate for her to know and and you know, it kind of depends on your child and what you think they're going to respond to, and what might make them anxious, or you know, what what you feel comfortable basically sharing with them. But yeah, I kind of told her everything that was going on. You know, I obviously left out some details, but I I really did give her an overview of what had happened, and you know, I think she didn't and she didn't process all of it. And but at the same time, the next day she wanted to hear more, and she had questions, and she wanted to. She said. Uh, you know it sparked a whole conversation about slavery and then we started reading biography of Harriet Tubman and so it's it you know I'm really glad that we had that conversation but yes and it came from it came from the newspaper it came from what they saw there so they're seeing you know even if you think like uh, you live in a community where they're not really learning about race or seeing race they are they are seeing race in the media they are seeing race on uh, you know on television and books and so you you know you do need to have conversations with them to help them understand it even if you think they're kind of shielded from
1: it yeah absolutely yeah and and I you know I love like I said uh, uh, your your in your article the collaboration you had with with so many people and educators and and a lot of people in the black community and and you know I think what a lot of parents are are sort of asking themselves right now is what can I do with my kids you know maybe you don't feel comfortable you know taking your kids because they're uh, of a certain age or whatever to a riot or to a protest or to uh, something organized outside uh, you know but maybe you can do something on a smaller scale I mean even you guys reading the Harriet Tubman biography and that's fantastic I mean that's a that's a place where you can start to build on that sort of action. That really is, that's an active thing.
2: Yes. I think there are so many things that you could do. We also have not really felt comfortable going to protests. Um, we're just you know nervous about the coronavirus and right. for other reasons. And um, But we have made Black Lives Matter signs that we've put on our house. Both kids made one. We've been reading a lot. We've been watching. There have been some really great, um, kid-related shows about race recently. I know Sesame Street and CNN did, did one a few, maybe it was a month ago. Yeah,
1: it was fantastic.
2: That we watched all together, and there have been a bunch of things like that. Um, and we've talked about, with my 9-year-old, talked about charities that, you know, he might want to give some of his allowance money to. And, you know, we've looked at what different, different organizations are doing and what they're working on. I think that's been helpful. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's just there are a lot of ways that I think you can you can make a difference at home. and I mean, just even having lots of conversations is something, you know, and I think one thing too that white parents need to think about, because I've read in the research this is something we often struggle with, is that when we do try to talk about race, we often we're vague, we use euphemisms, we say things like. we we need to make sure we're treating everybody the same and, and, you know, just because someone looks different from you doesn't mean that that they're any less than you. But we're not, I mean, that's kind of vague, right? Yeah. That doesn't really refer to skin color and race and a lot of times kids do not infer that you're talking about skin color and race when you use these euphemisms. There was one really interesting study from 2012 in which researchers invited white mothers and their preschool kids into a lab and gave them a couple of books that were race-themed books that they said, well, you read these to your kids and we'll record you while you're reading these to your kids. And, you know, when you read a story to a preschooler, you're often interrupted by the preschooler asking questions or, um, you know, you may need to explain a concept that's in the book that, that might not make a lot of sense. So they watched how these mothers read the books to their, to their kids and found that, when these kids would interrupt with a question about race, it was just a very like simple question like so why does why does his skin color look darker than hers?" that often the parents would just ignore the questions and move on or change the subject or, right. or you know say something that really was vague and very hard for a child to interpret so we I think we really have to be intentional and direct, and it's okay to say so that person is black, and you know. Skin color is different in people because of a pigment that you have called melanin. And some people are born with more, and some people are born with less. And it has to do with you know, what, how much of this pigment their parents had. And that's the only thing that, that um, you know, one of the only things that, that shapes skin color, and making sure you know, you just, you're just you kind of direct about it and, it and that it's okay to use words like white and black and brown. Um, and, you know, it actually helps kids if you use these words, is not going to turn them into racist.
1: And and don't you think, too, that if we if we if we are not specific in our wording and and we're not deliberate in that, that we sort of leave it to up to the kids to, like, fill in the blanks?
2: Right I'm sorry, I, I missed that first half of that question. I'm really sorry
1: Oh no, I was just, I was just saying, don't you think one, it, once we are too vague in our conversation with the kids we, when we we're not specific and we don't use deliberate deliberate wording, we sort of leave it up to them to to fill in all the blanks, and that that can sort of be a place where we're really missing an opportunity
2: right, absolutely, yes, we don't we don't really want them. To fill in the blanks themselves because they will sometimes come to the absolute wrong conclusion right um, and yeah and again one of the educators I spoke to um, for this piece said you know one of the we need to make talking about race normal one of the problems is that we think it's not okay to talk and, and say the words black and brown and white and and that's one of the problems like we need to get over that and, and feel comfortable talking about race and making it normal and not making it something taboo and weird and uncomfortable because that's part of the problem.
1: What, what have you experienced with, in, in collaborating with some of these educators and, and the community, what, what have you experienced with, you know, now that we are also having uh, a discussion involved with this same, you know, same topic, uh, discussion involved around police reform and kids and how to deal with that? I mean, that's been a big discussion. That's a part of the same conversation. Um, that, that can be an interesting piece of this to navigate, too.
2: Absolutely. Yes, I, you know, I, with my kids, I, in saying what happened to George Floyd, for instance, and and other people, I did bring the police into it. I mean, I I said, you know, there are a lot of white people who haven't treated people with dark skin very well, and that includes some white police officers. And, you know, I said, there are lots of wonderful white police officers who do not do this, but there is a history of, problem with some white police officers not treating black and and brown people very well. And so, you know, I did just bring it right in from the get-go when we started having these conversations a few weeks ago. And um, it it is hard, though, because, yeah, you, you know, because kids overgeneralize, I don't want them to think that, you know, all police are racist which is not true so i just i I kept kind of revisiting and and making sure they understood this is not everybody and and this is a you know but but at the same time it's a problem that that the, the police need to address you know um but it's really tricky it's very tricky
1: it, kids are, are so interesting because they are you know they're sponges they, they want to take in the information they they want to learn and they they want to talk and it's it's one of those things where if as the parent as the adult you turn away from the conversation I think sometimes you've put a period at the end of their sentence you know before they were ready for that um, and you you've sort of closed the window and they may go to someone else who might not give them the right information.
2: That is so true, yes. And, I mean, sometimes I will say I, my kids have come to me with questions that I just don't know how to answer in the moment, and I've said to them, and I think it's okay to say, you know, that's a really good question. I'm not sure how to answer it right now, but I will, I will come back to you and we'll talk about this. And then I have thought about it and maybe done some reading and gone back to them the next day or a couple of days later and said, okay, I'm ready to have that conversation. That was such a good question. So, I mean, it is okay to in the moment to say, oh, gosh, I, I need to breathe for a minute. I need to maybe look up something and find out the best way to talk about this. And then as long as you revisit it and you make sure that they don't see your um, hesitation to answer it as a, you know, as a signal that you don't want to talk about it, it's just that you want to, you want to talk about it in the right way. Um, and, yeah, because <laughs> sometimes, so you, you don't know what to say. I mean, at one point my five-year-old said something to me after we were talking about George Floyd. She said something like, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm really glad I wasn't born with dark skin, which is an age-appropriate response to something like this. And it sounds horrible, right? But she's processing this. And I realized that this was actually an opening to talk about white privilege, that she was actually kind of acknowledging her white privilege right. her statement. And so, I mean, it took me a, l- a little time, but I said, you know, you, you said that thing about not you know, wanting or feeling relieved that you have white skin. And I said, you know, this is actually something you have called called white privilege. You have something called white privilege. And um, that means that, you know, your life isn't necessarily going to be easy or anything, but your life is not going to be made harder because it's the color of your skin. And with this privilege, you know, you can use it as a kind of weapon to fight against racism. We can use our privilege for good. And so I kind of tried to turn it into a conversation that was more constructive. But yeah, sometimes kids come to you and they say things, and you're like, "I don't know what to right. Do that." <laughs> right.
1: I mean, I think that's fantastic that you handle it that way. That's that's such a great way because you know I know a lot of people who feel like they have to have the answer right then, right away, and they'll just say whatever you know comes to mind before taking a second with their with their child and and maybe going you know getting some good information, getting some research, and just having having something. Even if you jot something down, you can say to your child, "Yeah, that is a fantastic conversation. I want to have that. That's a great." great question. You know, give me a second to, to look up a couple of things. I want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. when we, And then, you know, come back and revisit the uh, revisit the conversation. I think that's a great way to do it. And a lot of parents are afraid to do that.
2: Right, right. And I have found even just Googling like, yes. how to talk to kids about white privilege or Black Lives Matter. There are a lot of very helpful resources. Um, there have been a lot of articles written. So sometimes just something like that can be helpful. And then in 10 minutes, you have some, you know, framework for an answer.
1: I really love the way you put it in your article in the Washington Post you said uh, this is something that parents of color do regularly because they have to white parents need to do it too and that is just so true and so plain spoken and just uh, you know completely the, uh, the light I think that, that needs to be uh, really just revealed on this whole conversation that we all need to be having it and it is a conversation that needs to continue. Uh, Melinda Winter Moyer and you are fantastic i love your work i I cannot wait to read your book which is going to be out spring of next year we're hoping yes yes that's the hope okay how to raise kids who aren't a-holes um i I like it i like it a lot and uh check out her website MelindaWinnermoyer.com, journalist and author and thank you for what you do you are really uh putting great conversation great research and great work out in the world and so we appreciate that very much
2: thank you dean
0: your emails are always welcome. If you have questions or comments about today's show or an idea for a future program, email D. that's D-E-E, at B1015.com. Sunday Mornings of D is powered by Mary Washington Healthcare, one of D.C.'s best hospitals that isn't in D.C. It's in Fredericksburg, Mary Washington Hospital, here for you. The thoughts, comments, statements, and opinions of the host and guest are their own, and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting, B101.5, or Station Management. Thanks for listening to Sunday Mornings with D Daniels on B101.5. Leave
3: your pain behind, one step at a time, when it comes to your orthopedic care. You can have peace of mind knowing you will receive expert care with Mary Washington Orthopedics in affiliation with FOA. Our highly skilled physicians and staff bring five-star knowledge to you and your family with convenient locations in Fredericksburg. Spotsylvania, and Stafford. We are here for you to treat an array of orthopedic conditions, from injuries to knee and hip replacements. Our care extends well beyond the surgical repair of an orthopedic condition. Our goal is to help you return to normal daily activities as quickly as possible. Virtual visits are now available. Visit practices.mwhc.com for more information. To make an appointment with an orthopedic physician, call 540-372- 4221. Or to make a physical therapy appointment, call 540-479-4764.